Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Haberman and Middlecoff show or podcast. It's, you know, we're pretty loose with the name. A lot of people spend a lot of time, John, nailing down their opening music and the name and the logo. And uh, we really do not a lot of that. We don't particularly care. But welcome to the show. Call it whatever you want. We've had people send us music before. I wow. like the last song, I think. Yeah, we, we, still, we still got that. But, uh, you know, we, we got a song for the show after doing the show for, uh, you know, like four and a half years, maybe more, five years. So I'm just saying, like, if you're going to start a podcast, who cares about your logo? Who cares about your song? True. Derek Papa might be back in town so we can have him, you know, just go in the lab, just throw us something, see if he's got still he's throwing his fastball. We don't know. You know, that's true. We haven't heard his stuff in a while. Is yeah, it still he, inspired? Yeah. You remember some guys start throwing. Tim Linscombe was throwing 98 and then all of a sudden he was throwing 89. You're like, what's going on? Yeah. I watched some of game seven of the 2014 World Series last night, Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, Tim Hudson started that game. What was he throwing? I don't know. I only watched the top of the first when Jeremy Guthrie was on the mound. Oh. But uh, maybe I'll get to Tim. Maybe I'll get to the bottom of the first inning tonight. You, oh, you made it through a half inning? A half inning. Well, I watched the whole open. That's really what I wanted, just like the juice yeah. of the whole thing. And then by the time I uh, I watched the you know the first inning, what happened? You know, partly what happened is I watched the first inning, and I thought, uh, oh yeah, Gregor Blanco leads off with a home run. No, he didn't. I was like, oh, yeah, no, no. Panic hits a homer here. It's like, no, he didn't. I was like, ah, fuck, forget it. I'll watch this later. Thinking about different games. Yeah, I mean, I again, I'm a sports guy through and through. It's 30-plus years of being a diehard sports fan, dedicated my life, you know, parts of the profession. And I, I tweeted this last night during the Mavericks-Suns game. Not a drug guy, though I've dabbled in THC, but nothing hardcore. And I can imagine going from Memphis, Golden State, the come down of a hardcore drug is like going to Suns Mavericks because that game, to me, to my soul inside, did nothing. I mean, it, it uh, that game felt, and I'm not, I'm not being a hater. I'm just talking about like what I like. I watch Bumgarner argue with that ump. Like that kind of gets me going. Like hell yeah, see different things kind of gets you going. That I'm just watching this game, and it it does nothing to my insides, and it felt. Like a December, January game. Luca's great, making these crazy plays. Did nothing, guy. It was crazy. I'm like, I love the NBA playoffs, and th- and maybe it's just because how unique the Warriors Memphis feels like an NFL fucking playoff series, let alone on 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 a basketball court. That Suns Mavericks game. Bleh. I know, I know. Partly you have to feel something, and like game one wasn't close, and game two well, got close for a minute, but. In the fourth quarter, but then I, I, just don't, I just don't feel it, you know. Yeah, I understand. I get it. I get it. Yeah, no one's shoving Chris Paul. Nobody's mad at Luca. Like, can we get something? Yeah, just coaches don't scream at each other. Every coach is just some either a former player or Taylor Jenkins. I like uh, that guy's look. 
his name doesn't he he sounds like who's your old line coach taylor jenkins taylor jenkins (laughs) absolutely (laughs) he just you could just see him who's your uh who's that big guy assistant line coach oh yeah former former guard from texas a&m taylor jenkins if kyle loves this guy if you told me that taylor jenkins like knows every o-line coach within a 50 mile radius of west texas a&m you know i would have believed if you just said like this guy this is the uh chris kasarik of fcs football offensive line coaching i'd like, yeah, that's him. There he is. O line coaches have friends. I'll never forget when I worked for the Eagles, Howard Mudd, RP. Uh, I'm walking downstairs, I think, to get a snack. All of a sudden, I look down at the bottom of the stairs, this guy walking up, sliders and his jersey and his hat. It's Terry Collins. Mets are playing the Phillies. Him and Howard Mudd have been friends for like 40 years. Terry he Collins. Wa- he walked over from the yard because it's not very far away in his outfit. You know, it was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Game doesn't, you know. It's a cr- aren't even there yet. You, you gave me the tour, but for people to understand, the football stadium and the baseball stadium, it's like a parking lot, basically, is what separates them. Right? And the basket and Wells Fargo. It's and all kitty corner. You know, it's pretty. Wouldn't you say? I mean, in all your experience of going to different cities, an incredible setup of just it, athletic it's a great sweetness. setup. Yeah, it's it's a pretty great setup. Yeah, it's cool. And they got concerts there. You yeah, know, I just, it's it's sweet. Yeah, Middlecoff gave me the whole tour. Of the uh, Iva Claire, what was it called? Not Iva Claire Center, Novacare. Novacare, yeah. We ate there, cheap. Oh, that was part of it. It was cheap. We're like, let's eat. Yeah, one hundred percent. John, before we go any further, let's tell. Ooh, John, let's tell the people about our friends. Ah, that's son of a bitch. John, let's tell the people about our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped with a promo code HAM. Get you 20% off right now, listeners. Are you ready to be blown away? Sirens alert, it says in the script. You asked for it. They listened. Our friends at Manscaped just relaunched the ultra smooth package. It's back, baby. Yep. Manscaped.com. Promo code HAM. 20% off. Lawnmower 4.0. Best ball trimmer ever invented. I, I feel very, very confident, right? Michael Jordan, best basketball player ever. Tiger Woods, best golfer ever. Lawnmower 4.0. Best testicle trimmer you'll ever find. No snags, no nicks. It's USB charger, waterproof, got the LED lighting. It's, I don't know, I, I speak from experience. It's elite. Yep. Here's the deal. This is how you shave close. You grab your handy lawnmower 4.0. You give them a classic trim. Okay? You get the loose hairs out of the way. Then you take out the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package. You get the Crop Exfoliator. Then you go Crop Gel. Then it's time to shave. The precision, three of them. Blades include extra-wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate grooming experience with the crop shaver. That's step four. So this is getting you ready for the summer. 20% off and free shipping with code ham at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping. Code ham, manscaped.com. Smooth out your fellas. With the relaunched ultra smooth package from the fellas at manscaped.com. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. Saw someone in the chat talking about Toto Wolf. Yeah. You know, I uh, Mercedes Benz, not a big, I, I, I don't refuse. I just never end up watching it, but the, the series was pretty special. Toto was a pretty great character. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's just this German killer, very serious with an incredible resume. Well, one thing it's easy to follow, right? Him first, the Red Bull guy, pretty easy rivalry. Yeah. Well, the red honestly doesn't feel like if you were friends with one of them, it'd be easier to be friends with the Red Bull guy. More normal. More normal. 
definitely. But like, he's the one that feels like sometimes he creates a little bit of the animosity, you know? Well, Toto's, you know, the the German, I have some in me. You just kind of look cold, rough around the edges, so you don't give anything, even though you're coming for their throat. Like, Toto's like a silent killer. Because well, Toto, they didn't, a lot you of know, shit. Mercedes didn't show up till season two. Like, they're just kind of above the whole thing is the vibe you get from them, right? Yeah. Well, in fairness, they were kicking ass. They are Mercedes. They didn't think they needed it. And then they saw how great it was. And then they got involved. The uh, $800 tickets. Start starting price for the uh, big race this weekend. Did you see some of the visuals of the setup? It looked pretty cool. Yeah, because well, they got they made it look like Monaco on the uh, infield grass, basically. It, it looks pretty badass. Not going to lie. Looks looks. Again, I. This is the problem with F1 for me. When I see the picture of the race, like the setup in Vegas, setup in Miami, it looks cooler than actually then consuming it when they're racing around the track. That's right. Uh, Darren B, probably Darren Baker, says, uh, should have Greg Papa do the ham intro. You got to save those pipes, you know, for a touchdown in San Francisco. Well, it says Papa. Does it mean Greg Papa or Derek Papa? He must mean Derek. Derek's the producer. Der- Derek is the, the maestro. Maybe you get the, a Papa family production. Yeah, get some other get Papas involved. I mean, I think there's five kids. A lot of Papas. I think I've only met one. I met I met his youngest son. Long time ago. Kid might be like, who knows now? Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. All right. Uh... LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're listening to this podcast after the fact, subscribe uh, to go check out our YouTube channel. If you're watching this YouTube, our podcast is down in the description below. And uh, we got we're going we're to do a mailbag this for this weekend, or this weekend we'll have a mailbag show. So go to I, uh, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, five stars, leave us a question, anything at all. You want to tell us your favorite bar in there? That's cool as well. And um, you know, yeah, it'll be a good time. Yeah, it all goes. John, I have something to reveal to the people. I've done some video sleuthing. You know, I watch games like a shark. I watch the backgrounds of games. A lot of people just watch games. I watch the backgrounds. And uh, as we record this or do this live, depending on how you're consuming, on Thursday afternoon, Woj earlier on Thursday reported that the NBA is suspending Dylan Brooks for game three on Saturday. I think you could argue that you could suspend him for a couple of games, honestly. I thought his foul on uh, Gary Payton II was worse than Draymond's flagrant two. We now know that what we thought was going to be the case is the case. Gary Payton is significantly injured, a fracture and a ligament issue. And I think you and me and most people that watched it, it was pretty clear given what happened with Draymond in game one, that Memphis set into game two with a plan to hammer somebody with no regard for what came from that, from that action. And I feel like I have proof. I'm going to show you now what happened after the foul of GP two. And what's important to watch is in the upper right-hand corner, who high-fives teammates after injuring a player or low-fives teammates after injuring a player unless they were just executing the plan? Good job. Good job. I don't know about where you're from, John. Where I'm from, a little dap means good job, good job. Good job. Good job. It's undeniable. Good job. Sneaky daps. Yeah, it's undeniable. I mean, this was part of the plan. And even after the players land, they're on the ground. Good job. Good job. That's that's I don't know. Again, where you're from. That's what a lo-fi means to me. Well, where I'm from is I grew up on the NBA like most kids that were born in the 80s. And the NBA under Michael Jordan was 
as big as the NFL and as big as baseball, and they were massive, obviously, in the 90s. It was this type of shit happened a lot. So this is not abnormal to playoff basketball. Now, this is, I would say, abnormal to Silver's League that has become much softer and there's just none of this going on. I, I would but, say, it's, you know, I, I do think pre-Silver, the NBA changed this. The NBA changed. I by, would say in the late 2000s, it was still pretty physical. And yeah, they're, they're not fist fights, but they're still hard fouls. I mean, the Ben Wallace, that you know, some of those guys, Alonzo Mourning, the end of his career, some of the tough guys. There just aren't as many of those guys in the in the NBA. But I part of this, now listen, if you get a DUI in front of your house, you just I, I don't know what I've never got a DUI, but you know, you pay a hefty fine and you get in trouble, right? Ever been pulled over in front of your house? I, I have well, I mean down the street, but that, that was, you know, probably two thousand one. That was a long time ago. But uh thanks well, thanks to my dad for getting me out of that one. That was not a that was an ugly night. <laughs> Uh, I begged the cop, take me with you. He's like, no, you're going home. I said, no, but that was young and stupid. Mm -hmm. But the point is you just get in truck. You get a driving under the influence DWI. You know, they have a couple of the names, but you don't like, you don't go to jail. Right. But if I get a DUI where I crash into someone and injure them, it's the penalty is completely different. Right. So if, if GP two had gotten up and been completely fine, I do not think he gets suspended. Do you agree with that? Um, again, I mostly agree with that. Hops, hops back up. Yeah, not, not the only thing that the only thing that makes me think about it is a. I do think the act itself was worse than Draymond's. Um, he doesn't jump. He doesn't really look at the ball. It's more aggressive. And I think the NBA would also go, okay, we just had a game one flagrant two. We just had a game two flagrant two. We don't want a game three flagrant two. But I think you're probably right. So you, yeah, you could do probably. one of those, you know, like it happens in baseball when a series is like kind of gotten out of control and they warn the teams before yeah. the game. And sometimes like I love it when an old school baseball guy still blasts the first guy up or like their third hitter and he gets immediately tossed. And he knew it was coming. He didn't even give a shit, which you're right. They, they might have done that no matter what. But I, I do think the results matter. And you're right. It was part. A lot of people I've seen in the chat. I've seen people talking about it like dirty play, dirty play. Well, part of, quote unquote, sending a message. And I would say this comes in football and basketball always has a chance to be dirty. Right. We've seen in baseball, the ball gets away, hits a guy in the face in football. Sometimes when it's like we got to lay a guy out early, sometimes it's a crisp hit and the guy jumps right back up. But you set the tone and sometimes the guy's KO'd for the game. And I, I think. I'll even give Dylan Brooks, never met the guy, don't know him, I mean, loosely followed his career. I don't think any professional athlete, unless you're just a royal piece of shit, and obviously they're a piece of shit in every industry, so they're going to be some in pro sports. He he wanted to break the guy's elbow. Like If, if he yeah, knew what he was doing, he was just hoping to take him out, set the tone, like, hey, Golden State, everyone's blowing you. We all think you're going to win the championship again, Not on, not if we have something to say, and we've rallied inside the troops like we're going to take someone out. And part of taking someone out sometimes is – there's a fine line of just knocking the guy down and that guy can get hurt sometimes. And that's why I think Kerr was so caught up, but he's been a part of a lot of these games in the nineties when people get taken out, it just happened that he broke his elbow. And I think part of it is the guy who would like, obviously it would have been a, even a bigger story if it was Steph or Clay or whatever. But I think what he represented, like you took out one of their tough guys who I, th then I think Kerr is the coach and the human his whole career. Yeah. Six it years sucks. to get here. And he's yeah, it sucks. Yeah. But I, I just, I, it sucks that he got injured, but this is the NBA has waited a long time to have 
like they have floated in apathetic waters for a little while. And this is the first time. And this is what I talk about. The Suns and the, and the Maverick series does nothing for me. Cause there's just these teams, not only do they not even, I don't even think they could like care about each other. It just doesn't matter. Right. I mean, Chris Paul been on like five teams in six years. It feels like, you know, Lucas playing with a bunch of guys. I couldn't point out of a lineup. Devin Booker's really likable. Like, I don't know. He's just likable. Like he's not like angry. You know, Deandre Ayton's always smiling. There's just not much anger. In that series, Jason Kidd's made three hundred million dollars. Happy, he looks like he's eating well. It's just, it's just a lot of happiness. The the Memphis Warriors series feels like the animal, like the Kings. And remember when we grew up, the Kings and Lakers, it felt like they fucking hated each other. Literally, they got in fights. I mean, Rick Fox and Doug Christie, like there was hate and animosity. And even with the money in the NFL, which is clearly exploded, doesn't it feel like there's still like vitriol between teams? And, and like legit hatred. And part of it is guys don't move around quite as much. The NBA has lacked that until this series. So it totally sucks. I did not want Gary Payton. I, I'm I'm a Warriors fan, but I, I, I do like that. The animosity has boiled over. Like to me, that's good for the sport. The, the rating Saturday night is going to be massive. Yeah. Yeah. It also, the fact that it weakens the Warriors and makes the series more competitive also is good good for the ratings of this. It makes it more likely this thing goes seven games, six or seven games. Um, So that's true too. I mean, all of this in the big picture is good for the league. Totally. It just is like Um, one thing. One thing I'd say that's clearly, but Gary Payton being heard is not good for the Warriors championship. No, no, no hopes. And the Warriors are good for the NBA also. So if it costs the Warriors, a deeper run, then that's bad for the NBA. I, I think an area, I mean, the NBA had a lot of different things they were dealing with, but one area that I think clearly the consumer just tapped out of that, like it, it feels bigger on social media than it being reality. The Ben Simmons types, the Zion types, the never playing and then talking about, are they going to get traded and the money? It's like, I, I think that is not. And the NBA really, the, the people that talk about it really lean into that. And uh, this is what made the NBA big hatred on the court. It's why my my issue, you know, Chris Russo and JJ Reddick got into it. It's like, Chris, I, I, like, I, I agree. Like shut up Ben Simmons or Zion or like those types of situations. Draymond's talking about basketball and on the court and getting a hard foul. Like it's, this is basketball. Draymond green is one of the best assets the NBA has. I know, but he's specifically talking. He's not telling you like about his thoughts on abortion. No, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. This is why Draymond's one of the best assets the league has because he gets really passionate about basketball. Well, because when we were kids, it was like the Knicks and the Bulls, they would have the same type things talking about the game, about getting fouled and tossed and all that shit. Like that's to me, they yearn for this. I don't think it's thrives on. Right I don't now. think it's an accident. Like you said to me the other night, you're like, why does it always feel like the Warriors get in some of these situations? Well, I don't think it's an accident that the Warriors are in these situations a lot. They're the same team year after year after year. Their core remains the same. So it's well, I, 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 it's Draymond and it's Steph and it's Clay and it's like, I think that's part of why it feels that way. It's because they are rare. Their best players are just a collection of them as long as we've known them. Well, think about this. I, I was thinking about it actually today, and I've been thinking about it for a while, about the Patriots. And just, I think you could do, think about the Chiefs in the Mahomes era. They've been involved in some crazy shit. The Edelman play last year with Joe Burrow, the play at the end of the half. Went, I mean, the the Wasp play, just some crazy thing. Uh, now a Hill trade. They've just been a part of some big moments the last four or five years. Why? They're playing in all the big games. Yeah. Well, if the you Patriots, just play in the big games, is it, was that's that your the point most people the Patriots watching. Have yeah, the Patriots. Years. 
did it for two decades, which will never be seen again. The Bulls did it forever. Then like LeBron, just wherever he went, did it forever. It's like Tiger did it forever. Well, if you're just in the biggest moments, in the mix, that's when the biggest shit happens. Why? Flagrant twos happen during the regular season. People get tossed and suspended all the time. No one's paying attention. <laughs> no, not a soul. The NFL is a little different because we consume the regular season at a really high rate. Well, the players play the regular season at a very high rate. For sure. And you only play so many games. So if a guy gets suspended, it's a really big deal. But like, I bet guys got suspended throughout the season for flagrant twos and just different shit in the NBA. But just no one, unless it's like Anthony Davis or LeBron or Steph Curry, like no one notices. But in a playoff series, when 11 million people watch game one, like this feels for the first time to me in years, big. And again, I'm a little biased. We're, we're close to it, but this feels bigger than any playoff series in years. And just, just the, I guess, just the, the, the microscope that's on the NBA right now. That it, it, it really matters. So people yeah. like, what's going on? Well, the Warriors, I think, I said this the other day. Like they are. Steph is. I don't know if some people would argue this number one draw. I think he's a bigger draw than LeBron, um, for television right now, and has. Been I think Jabra- I think LeBron's runs over, of your interest. Maybe I mean he, you know, maybe, but he's still one of the best players in the league. I don't mean as a talent. I just mean no. Like, I understand, you just but I'm a random guy is, under forty. They're like, yeah, I'm over LeBron. Yeah, but he could end up on a good team again, and if they're in the postseason, and he's you know he's not quite as dominant as he once was. But you think LeBron would go to a good team? Uh, that was being uh, so That was a joke oh, in the land. <laughs> um, but I think the Warriors have been the best draw the NBA has now for several years. They just had a bad year and then the COVID year, and they've just been away for a little while, but this is who they are. They are the number one attraction in the league. Uh, As it relates to Dylan Brooks, by the way, I have met him and I have talked to him and he wouldn't remember it, but I've liked him. But somebody reminded me when he was, when he was at Oregon, they played a lot of big games and he played for a tough coach, Dan Altman. Didn't they go to the final four? They went to a final four and elite eight, the final four, freshman guard off the bench actually became true freshman starting point guard on that team was Peyton Pritchard on their final four team. Was that the year the dude, the Warriors drafted got hurt and they lost a player right before the, the tournament and they made a run or was that the elite eight year? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I think it was Chris Boucher was the guy that got hurt. They also had Jordan Bell. Jordan, uh, the final four year, Jordan Bell made some sweet plays. I remember. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember which year was which, yeah, but it was a long time ago. Now. But, my point is that Dylan Brooks was kind of, I'd forgotten this till some, somebody who covered Oregon <laughs> said this to me, like Dylan Brooks was by far and away, every team they played, the other fans hated Dylan Brooks. Like he just got under everybody's skin, which, you know, if you do it while also but, competing, think about the greatest, think about the guys. Isn't that Dray, Isn't that Draymond's role? People it's, hate Draymond. It's Draymond. It's, it's like, these are the best competitors. So that's, that's kind of who, that's kind of who he's always, always been. Right before we hopped on, I, did did you see that Draymond got fined twenty five thousand dollars? Yeah, exactly twenty five. Draymond called a shot. I, well, I think that's the he must know it's the max because Kyrie got twenty five too. I just had this thought right before we hopped on. I was taking a little uh, little whiz, and uh, love that. I haven't used that term in a while. Whiz, and uh, whiz a good one. I think that flipping off opposing fans means like things are kind of going well. Like it's an interesting moment for your sport. You should only get fined if you flip off someone at your home arena because that's like fans. bad business. Yeah. To me, flipping off away, like this is what do you think? Like Vince McMahon or Dana White, like they kind of like this is kind of good. You're 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 not a basketball product as much as you are a TV product. 
and obviously basketball is what people are getting to see, but it's a TV show and that type stuff. Even Kyrie, Kyrie was flipping off the away fans. You know, I, mean, I think it's, it's good Celtics for business. Fans of that. Not just any fan base, the Celtics fan base. Yeah, I wish that series. Honestly, I wish that series was better or later. That was the, that has been the other like it. It's not as competitive. Necess- Actually, it was pretty competitive. That's been the other great series in this postseason. Was Net Celtics for the you same see, reasons? You see, Luca take two steps to that dude, and then and then the trainer immediately got in front of him. <laughs> uh, all right, you want to talk some football? Yeah. Let's talk about this from NFL reporter Matt Lombardo. Um, that's not NFL reporter Matt Lombardo. Hold on. Let's talk about this from NFL reporter Matt Lombardo. I have heard that the 49er staff has been continually underwhelmed by Trey Lance, he said, uh, in response or in a retweet of a Hayden Winks tweet that says, if Jimmy G stays on the Niners this year, I'm convinced Shanahan wanted Mac Jones and was forced into Lance. But I've heard the Niners staff has con- has uh, been continually underwhelmed by Trey Lance. Uh, thoughts? I uh, Someone, a couple people texted me when this tweet I kind of went viral in 49er land and, and my initial, just once I let it marinate, I, I, I'm not a big live in the past guy. And I, we all acknowledge 2021 was a bumpy road for him, but in football, like a guy can not be good. And then he can be good. It's 2022. I, I, I just brought up our, uh, the first year, like when we truly, I mean, we had a, we started a podcast in 16, but we went into business for ourselves in the fall of 2018. And I'm looking at the total amount of money we made that football season in, in probably a good two weeks now, that entire fall. So like four and a half months we make now in two two weeks, like things change dramatically fast. So yeah, I, it, the, the one, the guy that we saw, who remember we got in some arguments with some of our followers and definitely people in the chat that were like, you guys are being too harsh. It's yeah, a long way to go relative to like, we're not looking for Zach Wilson and Justin Fields just to like make some, pro- this is a team trying to win playoff games, but guess what? It's starting right now. He's a starting quarterback this spring. It's time to rock and fucking roll. And we're going to find out what well, Kyle is. And you and I will be, I'm sure at some of these and just be able to see, I, I don't really know what, You'll have a better view, I think, on the inside with Kyle, you know, talking to his coaches about the verbiage and audibles. Like, to me, he's going to look fine, right? Unless he's really inaccurate. But if he's relatively accurate, like, it's probably going to look good. He's big. He's got a big arm. But, like, for Kyle, the the uh, and we've been talking about this now, the audibles, the understanding where to go, he might complete a pass, and then later that day in the film room, Kyle will be furious. Like, you are not supposed to throw it there. And to me and you, we'll come on later that day on YouTube and the podcast be like, you should have seen this throw he made to Ayuk. It turns out Kyle would be like, well, if we were playing the Rams, Jalen would probably be there, and that might be picked, right? So what happened last year, I'd argue, is pretty irrelevant because the one thing, and coaches can be cliches about this, cliche about this, but whenever you go, like, how about the momentum off last year, in football specifically, and every coach worth their salt always goes, well, they say this year's a new team. And the reason they say that is because on average, there's like a 30% turnover on teams in the NFL. And, you know, some teams, obviously the shittier team sometimes is even higher, but you have new players at several positions, always just whether you're the Patriots, the Niners or the Jacks. 
And then you also have all these young guys like Ambry Thomas started playing a little bit and he showed some signs. Well, what if now he's just a legitimate starter? Like your team is just dramatically different from year to year. So I agree with anyone who was critical last year. Like, yeah, he's a pretty big project, which I think we kind of knew, but we didn't really know because he was kind of unknown. But what if this year he's just much more comfortable? You know, like this is a brand new year, I guess is my point. Now the jury's out. And I think the clock literally started Monday because that's, I think, when they kind of get on the field. Once the rookie minicamp happens, which I think for the Niners is, I don't know if it's this weekend, it might be next weekend. Then that following week, we'll just start having voluntary camps. And that means practice. And that's Trey Lance's time to like stop that conversation or make Jimmy Garoppolo's career with the 49ers continue. Cause that's, we've been talking, that's, that's a possibility right now, but it's up to Trey Lance. Like I think Trey Lance controls it, which is how it should be, but not as much for a guy that's usually drafted that high with that many picks. <laughs> so Josh Allen's rookie year and we, you know, I use Josh Allen, not because sometimes people say Josh Allen and Trey Lance have similar skills, but because Josh Allen was clearly a guy that, you know, did not play at the top level of college football competition and needed to develop in the NFL. And he did. His rookie year, he was a 52.8% passer. What'd you say? Nor- normally I round up, but when it's 52.8, I'm not going to round up. Okay. He started 11 games. He completed 52.8% of his passes. He threw 10 touchdowns. He threw 12 interceptions. The thing that Josh Allen needed to get better at is the same stuff in some way. I'm not saying they're the same guy, but is similar to the stuff that Trey Lance, I'm sure, needs to get better at. His arm strength is his arm strength. His footwork, they're spending all their time working on his footwork. But if his problem is not seeing it fast enough, well, then he needs to see it in real speed with guys truly jumping at his body to help him learn it. And there's only going to be one way to do that. You've been saying that for over a year. If we were talking about another quarterback on the roster, and Jimmy Garoppolo is the other quarterback on the roster, who constantly overwhelms us with greatness, then this would be a separate conversation. You undervaluing uh, Brock Purdy? This is not. This is not Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. You know what Aaron Rodgers has a chance to do this year? Win his third straight MVP. Do you know the only other quarterback in the history of the league, only other player in the history of the league to do that? Brett Favre. That's right. Who so, Marty Morningwig told me is the greatest player in the peak of his powers he's ever seen. No one's – no. I mean, three, John. Three. That's a good quote from Marty Morningwig. I, I remember when he said I thought it was kind of crazy, but then when you kind of go to his Wikipedia, three straight MVPs, and you realize they went to back-to-back Super Bowls, and you kind of think back when you were a kid, you're like, yeah, I've kind of viewed – he was viewed as like Michael Jordan of football for those couple years, wasn't he? Yes. Now, he shared the third one with Barry Sanders, but nonetheless. Which is oh, a pretty good guy to share it with, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I guess my point would be, and we can nitpick it, because I don't want to nitpick what Matt tweeted. Do you think Rodgers is going to win his third straight? I was thinking about that today. I mean, he got a lower percentage of the vote last year than he did the year before. It's going to be hard. I mean, Josh Allen could win it. Maybe Mahomes has a bounce back year. But could he win his third straight? I'll say the same thing I said about Belichick last year when I said I thought he'd be a great coach of the year candidate. It's going to be harder without Devontae, but Aaron will also get more credit if it's really good because Devontae's gone. So in that way, like you'd rather have Devontae Adams. 
But I think it kind of sets up for him if he has another great year to be like, oh, my God. He got less credit last year because everyone viewed their team as sweet, right? Yeah. And he still won it. So can he win it? Yes, he, he, he can win it. I agree. The list of quarterbacks that don't underwhelm you from time to time is the majority of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, are they continually underwhelmed? I know they're not physically underwhelmed with Trey. We've watched them. If they're going to be like, let's think about it for a second, right? If this is true and they're underwhelmed, what are the things they could be underwhelmed by? His progress, his technical progress, like on his footwork, right? And his understanding of the offense. Because I know they're not underwhelmed by his physicality, right? Well, part of a coach's job is to go, you know what? I can't give him Matt Ryan's offense. I can't even give him everything Jimmy Garoppolo had. But he gives me something that, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't give me, and he gives this team something Jimmy Garoppolo didn't give this team. And we've got to find a way. And I think the way what you said to start this conversation is the important part. Like it's happening. Well, I, I just it's happening. I, I'm not a huge believer in, in any walk of life to just like hold on to the past. Like things happen, and it, you're, you're not in October 2021 anymore. And part of that's on him. Part of that's on anyone listening. If you're like I, some people just hold on forever to the past or or even just recent memory. And it's like you have to move on and they don't have a choice. Like, I mean, they have to. So you're to arguing, forget about the fact that you traded a bunch of picks for him and just treat him like a backup quarterback and make Jimmy Garoppolo. The no, start. I'm arguing that like, yeah, I, I think it's very valid that he might have been a struggle last year, but you have to come in like he has to have an opportunity to really show you that he's grown. And part of, and a large part of that is on him. Because anyone that's argued for like against Ryan Tannehill, they're like, who cares what Ryan Tannehill said? It's on Malik Willis. No one's arguing that's not on Malik Willis. to like learn the offense and try hard. Yeah, but like, all people were saying was like, is he going to be like, as Mike Tomlin would say, basic human decency? <laughs> you know, there's just some basic human decency. Like, and and for for a quarterback, everything that he hung his hat on coming out was the elite character, right? That's what he's known as being very smart, high character guy. Well, what does that mean when you think in quarterbacks? You think like Rivers, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. Well, what do all those guys do? Well, they show up at six and. The O-line got to DoorDash them food because they're still there watching film when those guys go home. Like a lot of that stuff is on him. And it's it's unique, right? Because he's not Rodgers replaced Favre. Like that's doesn't get any harder than that. Luck replaced, kind of replaced Peyton because Peyton had missed the year. So there was a year removed and everyone saw how shitty it got. Like Rodgers just literally replaced Favre. You know, I mean, this guy is replacing Jimmy Garoppolo while polarizing. Any 49er would fit and would say, well, he just brought us some credibility. He's got the train on the tracks. And they build it around him, and we start having some success. And kind of like Alex. Alex came to the Chiefs when the Chiefs were drafting number one overall. So it's like, they, yeah, they're flawed, and you nitpick them. But to me, there's a difference between like nitpicking Kirk Cousins, who got you the one playoffs, and just a guy that like every single year, you're winning double-digit games, like Alex, kind of – in fairness to Jimmy, when Jimmy plays 16, 17 games, they're going to win 10 plus. Now, it's hard. He, you know, two of the four full seasons he missed. But like th there is a bar. Like he doesn't, he's not replacing. I, I'm trying to think of some really shitty quarterback, but like it, some bottom 10 guy, right? But he's not replacing some elite guy. But there is pressure. Like Jimmy's, what Jimmy hung his hat on 
was honestly the stuff Kyle kind of values, the intangible stuff. Like Kyle could live with, you scream at him for a bad pick, but he knew that like Jimmy knows what he's doing in theory. Well, that's what you have to talk about if you talk about the situation is who the coach is and what the coach values and what the coach wants, right? That's part of the equation here. In a lot of other situations, I don't even know, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, you're not having this conversation. A lot of other coaches don't have the equity, the, the longevity, this job security that Kyle Shanahan has, right? And the owner would want to see the young quarterback and you would just kind of eventually have to go to the young quarterback because that's what everyone is telling you you have to do. Well, what, Kyle is unique in that way. Don't you think when you said like, because we say this a lot, I mean, humans say this a lot, the owner wants, the owner kind of just wants what the fans want, right? Because he knows that's good for business if it goes yeah. well. Yes. Like yes. Jeb wants a good quarterback or the new quarterback because he knows if the new quarterback's good. It's incredible for his business, which is what we all want, right? The new quarterback and any team, any fan wants the new shiny object to play and then be good. How did Rich Scangarello become like the most known? Every he's like every leak. It's like must be Scangarello, or not even leak. I shouldn't use the word leak. I should use the word story. I Niners feel like the other thing. There's not a lot of minor leaks typically. I think people feel like uh, remember Darren Ehrman and Mark Jackson. Yeah, feel like there's that tor- type of vibe. Even though there's never been a story come out about like Kyle and Rich like almost got into a fist fight, which there might as well be because that's what everyone feels. Like I, people, I need some, I need something juicy. Like did, did rich throw a clipboard one time at Kyle because he disagreed with him and Kyle said, wait till I force you to go to Kentucky at the end of the year. Did they bet like Rich's kids college fund on Mac Jones would have more career touchdowns than Trey Lance in the end. It's weird. Somebody should Google. If you, if you don't know the story, Google, uh, Darren Ehrman and, uh, Mark Jackson. Good story. Excellent story. Secret recording of a coach's meeting was the, uh, Part of the story there. Remember that? And then I think a couple weeks later, uh, Scalabrini was fired. Scalabrini was part of that ouster. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was, because Mark Jackson tried to fight him, or he tried to fight Mark Jackson, or they f- tried to fight each other. I don't remember. Yeah, this, this is before Woj sold out to uh, the big corporate money. He used to write these incredible hit pieces that were coming from the source. So they were... I'd say Woj had a stretch there for like four or five years of his hit pieces where it's just, that's the best content. You don't even need to be an NBA fan. You're like, God, this juicy. <laughs> he doesn't do that. Now it's just like clutch sports says that Ben Simmons is it's like, oh, Woj, go back to your roots. <laughs> He'd be like, well, they pay me $9 million now. Uh, theory, John, from Swan Song in the chat. Isn't Lombardo from Philly? Skaggs came from Philly or Skangs came from Philly. But he covered, I, I'm pretty sure Lombardo's covered the Giants now for a while. But yeah, could be. 2020, Scangarello, Eagles, senior offensive assistant. Weird. Scangarello, Scangarello, great Italian name, left after the Super Bowl season for some like weird title with the Eagles because it felt like him and Kyle didn't like each other. But then when Kyle needed someone, he came back. Well, well he went. Niners 18, Broncos OC in 19. Oh, okay, you're right. And Eagles right. senior offensive assistant, then back to the Niners. Okay, ne- never mind, never mind. I was wrong. Yeah. So Kyle, so he he left for a legitimate job. Legitimate job. And then Fangio wanted to fight him. Not reported, but I could see Fangio not like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, if Albright's breaking this story. I'm pretty sure Fangio, in fairness to Rich. Went through three OCs in three in his three seasons. Like, did he really? I think they had a different OC every year. I mean, it was Shermer, Scangarello, 
Who was their OC last year? I think Pat Shermer, who was the Broncos. Correct. Oh, it was so who was the Broncos OC in 2018? Uh Bill, Bill Musgrave. But Vance Joseph was the head coach. How many years was Vic? Three years, two. So he went Scangarello, then two Shermer. Shermer for two. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Uh, it's crazy in football. It feels like it happens more than other sports. Like you can just get in the right spot and it go well. But sometimes it goes too well. Like Pat Shermer. <laughs> Pat Shermer went from like this up and comer with Andy Reid. Then he gets a job. I think the Cleveland Browns hire him. And it was clear like this guy's not a head coach. But then he kind of has to like, you know, fall back under the on the lower rung. But then he gets to Minnesota on this year where their team's loaded. Case Keenum, they go to the NFC Championship. It's like Pat Shermer's got his swag back. We can't turn down a head coaching job, even though he's not a head coach. Takes a head coaching job, fired within like 18 months of the Giants, and then he's just off rhythm. So now he's just kind of bouncing around shitty teams, and then he's just off rhythm. You know, you just, it's all about the rhythm. And then once you find a good rhythm, you're like, you know what? I'll just be the, like, and this guy's not getting interviewed, but, uh, What's Andy's guy that's the defensive coordinator who was the defensive coordinator for the Giants in 07? Yeah, exactly. Like he he got to be a head coach, disaster. Then he kind of fell down and then he just linked up back with Andy. And now it feels like if Andy will keep you, be the defensive coordinator till he retires. Elite DC. Operate like they used to do in like the 80s in college football. You will just keep the job till Andy wants to call quits. They'll pay you a couple million dollars and you'll just win. Yeah. Yep. And Andy likes you. Everyone likes you. It's just good spot. Yep. They'll they'll draft players for you. The you worst know? case, though, is like, let's say Andy retires, and they just like, well, you want to be the head coach? Kind of like Todd Bowles. Like Todd yeah. Bowles is in a great situation. Just be the coordinator. But then Arians retires, slash gets fired. They, they hire him. What's he supposed to do? Say no? Right. Because you might as well control your own destiny. You couldn't be like, well, just pay me $3 million, I'll be the DC because they elevate someone else. Then that guy gets fired, then you're screwed anyway. So you're telling me I can make four-year salary in one year now? I guess I'll say yes to that. Yeah. It's, so it's, you're going to have to sign me to a three-year contract? Guaranteed? I guess I'll say yes to that. That's Jim Tom Sula. You know, he's probably in his big house somewhere, you know, in like Florida. Exactly. Now, is Robert Sally going to come back in 2023 to Kyle then? You I don't know. I Joe Douglas. I get good Joe, good vibes from Joe Douglas. Well, they're feeling themselves right now. I know they, they are. And I, in fairness, everyone's feeling themselves. Actually, I, I listened to a bunch of Rich Eisen interviews. He had yeah. on a bunch of the guys. Mike Tomlin wasn't that like he was not feeling himself quite like again. Love Howie, but you know Howie and Joe and just all the guys making the rounds. Even you listen to Steve Kime. It's GMs get very very excited after the draft especially if they think it went well. And it, Joe Douglas, they landed three of their top 10 players. And when it goes really well, you start throwing out nuggets. Three of our top 10 players. He also told Rich Bryce Hall, the running back from Iowa State, I think was their 16th or 17th player on their board. So if you're him, you go, well, I just spent six months putting together a board and I got four players in my top 16 on my team. So like what, am I supposed, what am I supposed to do? Not be happy? Jerry Jones showing his draft board. How about the Cowboys have revealed their draft board accidentally in some way, shape, or form in like four of the last seven drafts? Maybe you, more than seven. But. Was that a stat someone threw yes. out there? Yes. <laughs> they, 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 because did you see the one from this year? Well, I saw Jerry hold it up because they were peppering him on the questions. He's so pointing somebody, at Stevens. Somebody, you can't read it, but you can see how long each name is and how long the college name is. So somebody went side by side. You can, and it looks like Kayvon Thibodeau, 
Oregon, right? The, like it match. Like he was their number one player on their. Kayvon Thibodeau was the Cowboys' number one player. Kayvon Thibodeau was number one player. Who was two? It matches up perfect. I don't remember. I could pull it up here in a second, but, um, and then yeah. So I, between like team videos that get posted on social, whatever, it's been like four of the last whatever, maybe seven drafts. The Cowboys had inadvertently revealed their their draft order, their draft, their big board. What do you think about? You know, Jerry was. I don't know many details, but in a little minor fender bender or something last night, uh-huh. but enough where, you know, the ambulance was either called or was on site. Who knows? He went to a hospital before going home. And I, and I tweeted again, tongue in cheek, but once upon a time, my grandpa who died of Alzheimer's, I'm, I'll never forget like hearing a knock on my door and my mom answered it. And it was my neighbor, Merrill telling my mom that he had just seen my grandpa fly through a red light. And I just remember, like, I was pretty young at the time, probably like 12 or 11. But I just remember that my dad got home later that day from work. And you could just tell weird things were going on. And then he no longer. And then I think a week before, he had, like, burned his hand at home. Just some of the signs that, like, something's a little off. Like, took away his keys. And I tweeted, like, maybe it's time to take away Jerry's keys. I'm not saying he's got Alzheimer's, but Jerry's getting up there in age. You just never know. And then a bunch of people were like, Jerry, do you think he drives? It's like, guys. Jerry Jones is a went to Arkansas oil maverick from Texas. Like he doesn't he doesn't live in San Francisco or New York City. If whether you're worth five billion or five dollars, if you're a human being in the suburbs and space, like you're gonna drive sometimes. You think it's crazy that people just assume that super rich people just never drive? Like if you had unlimited amount of money, Guy Haberman, worth five billion dollars, wouldn't you still drive occasionally? Yes. I, I think he definitely still drives sometimes. Well, we and know we were on a group text of someone around Jerry Jones that not only texted us, he still drives. He's like, yeah, he just drive to work every day. Yes. Yeah, to me, I value, I think being driven is really cool. A lot of, you know, I like, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it a lot, but sometimes I want to be by myself and driving a car. I like drive. Like I, some people, I like driving for the most part. You know what I mean? Like seven hour drive. Like I don't mind being the one that drives. I like it. Um, so yes, I would also part of the fun if you got a few sweet cars would be driving the cars. Yeah. Now, Jerry's probably just got like a big buddy Benz or whatever. But well, yeah, and I'm not acting like, yeah, if he's going out with his wife and they're drinking, he has a driver. If he's doing work stuff, he has a driver. Like, yeah, you, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to park. It's busy. But blah, I think blah, at blah. like 8 a.m., Jerry couldn't hop in the Benz, swing by Starbucks, and head to the facility where like, you have the best parking spot. <laughs> you're out of your mind. Like, and I started thinking, I'm like, Jeffrey Lurie drove. I mean, Mark Davis, I wouldn't put in their category, but like he drove. I think Jed drives. Like, just because you're super rich does not mean you never drive. Now, if you live in San Francisco or New York City, Manhattan, yeah, if you're worth a billion, you everything you're gonna do is be driven because you can work. But uh, Jerry, do you think he has a lot of he probably lives on a ranch one, so a ton of space. And I bet his route to the facility, he ain't sitting in bumper to bumper often, right? right. Yeah. So. It's not 45 minutes during prime working hours. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, is you, you imagine Joe Lacob from Palo Alto drives to some Warrior Games at Chasers driven all the time? Uh, my guess would be driven. I mean, not that, you know, that's going to be an hour or maybe more. My guess would be driven. He could do work, yeah. swerve through traffic. So here was the photo for those of you who are watching. If you're listening, easy to find, or maybe you've seen it. Jerry holding up their draft board. That's, you know, you can't really make out what it says, but then somebody took on the right, the blurry versions. That's pretty good. God, we got some talented people on the internet, right? 
that's part of what inspired me today. But, uh, you know, so there's Kayvon, Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson, Garrett Wilson, Ahmad. Uh, can, I, can I red flag you really quick? Does four look like Garrett Wilson to you? Because I'm just, again, it's blurry, but One, it does not necessarily three, look. Four. Um, oh, he took the number of characters. Yeah, I think they're just so, uh, it does look like Ohio State. That's the part to me that matches. Okay. Because it looks like Ohio State. That's that's fair. Yeah. So you're matching up the characters with the name. Like Derek Stingley, LSU, definitely matches, right? Like LSU, I guess it would either be LSU or USC. That would, Those would be the two that kind of could look the same, blurry. But um, just great work by the internet. Just fantastic work. Who's Is Tyler Smith the guy they took? Yeah, I don't, he's not from Utah, so somebody made a mistake <laughs> there. I was like, God, I didn't know the Cowboys drafted a guy from Utah. No, that was a mistake. Pretty good, I, honestly, pretty good board. The, the Cowboys draft well, though, right? No one ever dispute Jerry, they don't draft well. How do you know that's a legit board and not an accidental one? He showed a fake one he showed accidentally. You know, I think that's where you go back to the track record that they've accidentally revealed three other boards before. <laughs> well, I think it makes a lot of sense, right? They draft and then they do their press conference at like nine o'clock at night. He walks out of the room with the paper in his hand. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. they might, once they pick, they might have done the press conference because they weren't going to trade back in. They might have come back and did it, you know, pick whatever their pick was 22 or 23 or 21. They might have done that at 25, and he immediately they, – they go, let's just do the press conference now. He walks out with a thing in his hand. One thing you say about Jerry, he, he ain't hiding anything. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, the reason the story about him liking Johnny Mantell is out is because they've talked about it, right? Yeah. So – well, And a lot of teams do admit stuff after the fact, except Belichick, Right. Most teams will be like, yeah, three years ago, we, you know. Yeah, yeah. Patriots are the one team that rarely does that. Somebody suggested, did, where my draft board, did Devin Lloyd went after or before Belichick? Did Belichick pass on him or Belichick trade back? Uh, Belichick was traded back with the Chiefs. He went after. No, yeah. Belichick drafted after Devin Lloyd was yeah. on the board. So somebody, I, I've seen a few people, because Devin Lloyd was the guy, like just like Kenny Pickett, everywhere you looked was to, was to pit. The, to Pittsburgh and Drake London was constantly to Atlanta. I've seen a few people suggest like, yeah, the stuff with Devin Lloyd, to the Patriots was real. And the Jags just went and got him. And maybe they traded above the Patriots. Cause they knew that Belichick would, cause he wasn't yeah, cause it was real the first or the second round. Yeah. Do you know uh, who has the NFL record for uh rookie tackles? Patrick Willis. Correct. All right, John, uh, let's tell the people about our friends at sleep number. Uh, last night when our, a uh, buddy high up in the NFL circles was texting us at 1045 at night. Middlecoff was not responding. And I knew why it's because he was sound asleep. In, uh, sleep in, in fairness, I was in my sleep number bed, doc, sleepnumber.com slash am. I heard it vibrate and kind of, I was just close and peeked out and I saw who the group text was. And I just didn't want to throw off my sleep pattern. Cause once I would have got involved, I would have been, it was, was going to be a long thread. Yep. Yeah. And it started, you know, it was a late 1035, 1040. I was shocked. Once I looked at the text this morning up for probably both of you guys, uh, you know, you guys went back and forth for a while. You yeah. guys were texting. It was like, geez, you guys were pretty <laughs> animated. But uh, sleepnumber.com slash ham. Can't recommend the bed enough. Uh, you and I have had it for a long time. Get on it. Sleepnumber.com slash ham. Three tips to help you improve your sleep timing. Try to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. 
Create a relaxing bedtime routine at least 20 minutes before you plan to close your eyes. That's a good one. And an hour before bedtime, turn on your device's blue light blocker and try to stop using all devices altogether an hour before bedtime. That's also a great one. Here's the deal. Sleep number smart bed owners who use their smart beds circadian rhythm feature improve their bedtime and wake time consistently by 35 minutes for better quality sleep. So whether you like to sleep softer, like middle cough, sleep number at 40, or me, a little firmer on the bed, sleep number at 55, whatever you like, discover special offers now. And for a limited time, at Sleep Number Stores, your local Sleep Number Store, or at sleepnumber.com slash ham. That's sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I see a headline right now of, uh, I didn't listen to it, but Brandon Clark, the dude that plays for Memphis, yeah, I think was on Zach Lowe's podcast. So he, I'm sure he said this on there because the headline is, even Brandon Clark agrees that Dylan Brooks' foul on GP2 was excessive. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture, Slater just tweeted out a picture of like, it looks like Clay and 
Jordan Poole, you know, it's that practice. And then in the background, these two double doors are opening, and it's just GP2 with his elbow. I guess that wouldn't be his good elbow, but he's just watching in the background. It's kind of sad. Shitty. We both heard his – you told me about it. GP1 was on Ryan Russillo's podcast. and was very good. It was good. It was very good. Um, yeah. Uh, big news, John. He's back. Debo has followed the 49ers on Instagram. In addition to following Trey Lance, Chef Huey Lee, I think. I'm not positive, but that's what it looks like that name is. And his agent, Tori Dandy. Good crew. I know we laugh at this. Would you follow – if you did not follow a team you were not going to play for, would you follow them? I mean, I, I follow some ran- – I mean, like the T-Wolves. I follow, like, the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, I, I follow some random teams. I, I Again, this is where it kind of bothers me a little bit. I think we really overrate – like, like you wouldn't overrate be like, John Middlecoff is dating – so-and-so like that. I'm in a relationship. We're dating like it's that's hard action. John Middlecoff hosts a podcast with Guy Haverman. Like that's real. You, I, I, you could make some guesses on social media, but they'd all be guesses. I'm all over the map on following unfall. I guess I don't unfollow. I mute unless you fall. If you follow me and I follow you and I don't like you anymore, I mute you. If you don't follow me and I realize I found that with actually, I wouldn't say a mutual friend. You know him better than me. I realized he wasn't following me anymore, and he had some kind of tweets. It's like, I don't need his negative energy in my life, so it's an easy unfollow. Oh, can't wait but to like, who that is. Brian Hawkins? Yeah, yeah, just I I think we overrate this stuff. Now, this one, I, I get it, but I don't know, man. He was never going anywhere. It was fun to talk about. but Well, we don't think that the Niners are never going to send him anywhere, but he requested a trade. I'm not saying he didn't want out. I'm just saying and unfollowed he everybody. So if you said publicly... I'm le- I am breaking up with Guy Haberman and then unfollowed me on social media. And then two weeks later, people found that you refollowed me on social media. They'd go, oh, maybe the circumstances changed. You want me to unfollow you right now? No. Well, you, you were talking yesterday. You want to create some controversy. <laughs> well, people, hopefully people wouldn't find this footage. But like, I think sometimes we get so dismissive of social media, which I'm pro I'm pro being dismissive. I am. I'm I've been, you know, me, I've been, I've said it's not real life for so long, as long as we've been doing this together, but it doesn't mean that things that happen there don't reflect real world actions. I think we flip flopped. I used to think it was life. You didn't think it was life. <laughs> then you got more into it. And now I, hate it. and then we've, we're kind of meeting in the middle now. So you don't think it means anything? No, is that what you're saying? Obviously, obviously, Thank it doesn't you. mean that, nothing. But it's just, it's just, I, I am ready for social media slash Debo to come to an end. Now, it's Debo probably not going to come to an end because unless they sign a contract, I don't expect to see him. Now, the the one thing will will be interesting because I, again, I don't, I don't think Trent Williams is going to be there. Until the volunteer, until the mandatory. I, Nick Bosa, I think it's pretty clear. Like, he probably not going to be there. But Debo is going to be discussed differently than those guys, right? Now, when the mandatory thing comes, is Debo going to be there? Because then if he's not like that, to me, that's tangible, right? You get fined if you don't show up. Trent and, and uh, Bosa both got on a plane and came to this. And again, it might be unfair to Trent. He could easily be there this week or not. 
honestly, I guess I put him in a category. I don't even care. He's allowed to do what he wants at this point in time. Same with Nick. Honestly, same with Debo. If you just told me, you know, Debo's training on his own, I, would you have thought much about it if this whole thing hadn't happened? No, not a thing. But that's going to be whenever people are allowed out to practice, who's going to be the first guy they look for, right? Debo Samuel. <laughs> Do you think it'll even, it'll be like noted, oh, Nick Bosa's also not here, but Debo's going to be the headliner? Because they'll easily say, yeah, Nick told us he wasn't going to be here. Trent told us he wasn't going to be here. Debo... Yeah, we haven't talked. Because <laughs> you know, even Kyle said after the draft, he's like, we haven't talked a couple weeks. Well, that'll be the question, right? Have you talked to Debo? Did he tell you he wasn't coming? Did he tell you when he might show up? Did he Instagram someone, you know, DM the Niner account? Niner account, follow him? Is it mandatory as a account manager for a team to follow all your own players? Yeah, you know, I was, um, I've talked to somebody about that before. Not just follow your own players, but this was a college week? person I talked about, I talked to. But like when you tweet out highlights, like like they're gonna notice whose highlights get tweeted, whose highlights don't get tweeted. So teams, you know, you make highlight packages for all your guys, and you make sure there was a part. Remember the book Seven Seconds or Less by Jack McCollum? McCallum, great book. Yeah. I loved it back when I used to read in two thousands. Somebody wrote a piece. Uh, when did I read this? Maybe it was yesterday. Um, Brian Curtis wrote a piece about it, and I I'd, I'd forgotten this, but one of the things in the book was about how Sean Marion kind of feels slighted. One time he's in the huddle, he looks up, and the Kings, uh, like dancers and uh, you know, the hype crew is on the floor, and they're all wearing Nash Amari Stoudemire jerseys, but no one's wearing a Sean Marion jersey, and that pissed Sean Marion off. But the social thing is stuff that uh, these teams, especially I know with colleges, I'm sure with the NFL, they I, I guarantee you they hear from agents. I'm not. Just, I'm thing. not disputing that the guys don't make a big deal of it because it. it I think they also view it like that. That is part of like from. For me to be an endorser, you have to help build up my brand. So that's why I think you see it in college for NIL teams tweeting out guys highlight tapes all the time because it helps them put together a package. It helps them raise their profile. But don't you think it's kind of stupid? Like, and I understand Sean Marion being mad that they're wearing, I don't know, the guys went back to back MVPs. Uh, but if you went just a random NBA fan, 35 and older, and just brought up Sean Marion, what's the first thing they say? Like, oh, the Suns teams, Alley Oops, Steve Nash. Yeah, his again. jumper, his jumper. Yeah, but like his brand as a as a player was built from the team. Yeah, but I think people view him as like a a, a role player when he was averaging like twenty four points a game. Funky jumper for sure. Uh, apparently, Trey responded, "Dog, I need whoever watches your IG to watch my wife's too." Trey Lance is married. No, but I, that's but he's just being funny. Do you see what Drake did? Um, some guy no. talking shit to him at Instagram. Drake replied and was like, I just followed your wife and messaged her. <laughs> and the guy responded like laughing his ass off. Drake DM the guy's wife. I'm here if you need me, mama. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's an incredible move. Isn't that fantastic? That is a fucking elite move. That's That's pretty special. Did you see today that I just saw it because it got tweeted into my timeline and it makes sense, but it, it really is. I, I don't want to say diabolical, but it is kind of nuts. Ray J said that the Kardashians created the whole sex tape leak. Like they did it. It was, it was purposely done. And like Barstool did this thing where they brought up the tape and it's like the number one sex tape, the way it was labeled when it went, it was like, he basically admitted that like Kim he was joking because he was, you know, a famous singer when they were having sex or whatever, yeah. dating. 
And he's like, you know, it'd be funny. It's like, if this ever got out, it'd be big for the brand. Completely kidding. Like Ray J's like, I, I didn't want, I never was about putting it out. Kim's like, oh yeah, that's not a bad idea. And then he said like the next couple of days, she tells the mom who it's crazy. It's like their mom, but slash like clearly the business mind. She thought it was a genius idea. They got it. And the rest is history. Did the Paris Hilton video, was that before or after Kim? I feel like it was before. I think Paris was first because Paris, Kim was like Paris's, you know, right-hand wing girl. Basically. Yeah. The, the, I haven't seen, I don't even know. Is it out yet? The Tommy, the Tommy Lee, uh, Pam show. Yeah. Good watch. Hulu. Good watch. Because how does that stuff come out? Like that one, right? Was that one, the guy somebody stole. doing work at their house, stole their tape. Well, Tommy threatened to kill him, you know, and the guy was pissed off, stole a safe. They stole the safe hoping it would be money and stuff, and they stumbled upon the tape. It, it was kind of – you know the guy – the whole show is kind of based on this long Rolling Stone article, a little bit like Winning Time and Jeff Perlman. He lives in Marin, the guy that stole the tape. Is he rich? Uh, No, because he, he kind of got he screwed in the whole deal. Oh, somebody else made money off it? Yeah, pretty much. Karma's a bitch. I know. All right, John. I was reading a uh, great piece that Matt Barrows wrote in The Athletic. And uh, it was actually a lot of good insight from Adam Peters, who you know, and um, about, you know, kind of not just the players they drafted, but what they look for. It was really good. Highly recommend. One of the things in the article caught my eye, and I thought it would be a great thing to address, which is what it's what is required for the 49ers to like you as a player. And you've talked to more NFL people about um, Danny Gray and Ty Davis-Price. But I think this highlighted part is interesting. Said Peters about Danny Gray, the thing that really stood out to us, and Kyle mentioned as well, is that his number one trait is speed. But his number two trait, we thought, was his toughness and his fearlessness with the ball in his hands. He's got a mindset to score every time he gets it. Even the photo that accompanies, you could easily... If I blurred this image and gave it niner colors, this could be an image of Debo. Danny Gray's legs in this photo actually look bigger than he than they look on tape. His thighs. But what, I mean, this clearly looks like a quick screen right to him to get out in yep. space. Guys blocking, or it could be Ayuk too. Like they run that play. Yep. You know, sometimes you know Andy. I remember told when I was asking about Patrick Mahomes, the way he evaluated him was siphon out all the wide receiver screens. Now, obviously, with a quarterback, it's different because the that pass is like you know you and I can make that pass. Right. I think with wide receiver screens for the wide receiver with the 49ers, that feels like one of their main plays, right? I bet they love it when they watch that. And obviously with the spread offense, wouldn't you say in your history watching just the Sonny Dykes, Leach teams, they do run a quick play to their wide receivers and just get them in space fast? Like yeah. That's kind of a core tenet of the offense. I would say a lot of offensive – if you talk to an offensive coordinator in the last 15 years, they probably said some version of, you know, we always love to say in our coordinator voice, I'm I'm channeling Jim McElwain, our buddy Jim McElwain, when I say it, we got to get our playmakers in position to make plays. And in space, you'd probably add that, right? And um, I think it's just, it's it's obvious. It's why the Dante Pettis miss was so glaring. Because Dante, you know, was not this kind of fearless, get the ball in his hands. And maybe they felt that, maybe they got tricked a little, because of his because specialists, right, do have a reputation for that. And you do have to when you when you rip off big punt returns and kick returns, punt returns, you are you are running full head of steam. But when he got to the 49ers, it didn't quite turn out to that, uh, to be that. But I think one thing you could some teams eliminate players on their boards for knee injuries. I, I would think the Niners just the second they think you're not tough, you cannot play for Kyle Shanahan. 
and tough a relative football tough. I, I talked to a buddy the other day about this player because it's weird. I, I would say this guy flew under the radar a little bit publicly. I would say internally, like in the teams, everyone was watching him and on this guy. He's like, I love this guy. And the two things he mentioned were, you know, he thought he just played really tough because he's willing to just run, th- you know, get north and south. And sometimes that means going through people. But the one thing he said is his play speed with the ball in his hands because the knock on him is the hands. But he said when the ball is in his hands, he can fly. Like his play speed was up there with anyone in this draft behind like Alave, who's viewed as the fastest guy. But like this guy can fly. He, he thought this he thought this was an awesome pick. Like he he just really liked the player. Like universally, he's like, regardless of what team I was on, I would have been cool with our team drafting this guy. This guy can play. I and it probably is a little bit like if if he had played at like USC, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio State, you know, because we, we ended up, we've talked about most of the wide receivers, but you notice the smaller school guys just fly a little under the radar. I would say the one guy who got promoted, be, and part of it might just be us because of the connection with Trey was Watson, right? But even Sky Moore, the dude the Chiefs took, I've talked to a couple people, like, I love that guy. Mm. <laughs> but all we talked about is like Wilson, Olave, uh, Burks, all the guys that were going to go in the top 20 and that's yeah. just what happens. But yeah. all, every year guys go in the second and third round. I mean, look at the 49ers best player on their offense is a second round pick guy. just got a hundred million dollars. AJ Brown went after him. Well, and even, you know, Brandon Ayuk, who's been become fantastic for them was not, I mean, he was a first round pick. Well, if the Niners hadn't the drafted him, second. if the Niners hadn't drafted him, I think there's probably a pretty decent chance that he's picked in the early thirties. Right. You mean that he falls into the second round? Well, because they drafted him in 27. Like, there's no lock he was going to go with those, like, four or five picks. Who knows? Oh, right. I mean, you yeah. know, those teams, the Packers had already. And there were other, other, there were a bunch of other receivers got drafted at the top of the second round that year. Some people might have liked, you know, who knows? If I if we asked the Bengals scouting director, they'd be like, yeah, we had Higgins above IU because we needed that. You know, it's not not inconceivable. The Niners like guys that other guys might not like, right? Because they, they value that toughness aspect. They just, like Chris Olave. Because I, I bet once Debo went on the uh, trading block, well, his own trading block, not the Niners trading block, but people were calling, Kyle had to watch. Like, if you're John Lynch, you'd be like, well, you haven't because it would have been a waste of time before the situation. But let's, you should obviously watch these top five guys, right? Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave. I bet he did not like Chris Olave because I was, I was talking to my buddy about Sonny. Or not, or Danny. I keep call, I keep mixing him up with his head coach, Danny Gray, not Sonny Gray. <laughs> <laughs> that, he's he's like throwing at dudes' heads. My guy didn't like Chris Olave. He's like, you know, I don't see him getting off press. He's not physical. He can fly, but he's like a lot of times in the NFL, that guy that's his only. He just getting wide open in college. Like that doesn't like Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks. They're doing shit that translates. Chris Olave speed translates, but like. He's kind of loosey goosey route runner. He's just flying wide open against. You're not playing Iowa corner. You're not playing Northwestern. You know, it's just it's a little more difficult. So my ultimate my point is that if you could ever get a hold of Kyle's, just Kyle rank the top five guys just in case we end up trading, you know, uh, Debo Samuel for the tenth pick in some package. Chris Olave is probably the last. Interesting. Uh, well, I mean, six letter says Crocky doesn't love his route running. Speaking of Eric Crocker. But, but see, to me, I, I can live and with Croc an average route has, rounder as a third-round pick. And Crocs says he has trouble separating. Yeah, you know, I also think, 
that's a good point. I also think that um, this is where Kyle Shanahan, I, I think Kyle Shanahan becomes valuable with players like that because part of what happens is guys get open based on what he creates. And part of it is you get guys the ball in a position where they didn't have to run a route to begin with, right? Like that photo we just looked at of uh, of Danny Gray. I, I'm not pretending to be Lincoln Riley, Mike Leach, Sonny Dykes here. I would say that their offense is known as pretty basic when it is comes Debo to Is Debo a premier route, route runner? Not at all. So, but the analysis, it doesn't change. the. It doesn't change. Debo's also diff, a little but, different. But part of becoming a good route runner is why do I pay my offensive coordinator seven figures? Why am I paying my, you know, offensive specialist a lot of money, my wide receiver coach, my head coach? Who is Kyle at his heart and core and, and his soul? He's a, he's a skinny wide receiver in Texas. <laughs> you know? I mean, seriously, like he he's even talked about, like, I've broken into this league as a wide receiver coach. Wouldn't you say for a guy that loves running the ball, he does, like, have this soft spot for that position. Like, that's just, inter- not soft yeah, they, would be the wrong word, but, like, that's kind of his baby. Like, But that, they have to be tough. That's well, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, he he's, he, soft is the wrong word. Like, he just has his hands all over that position, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I would love for Kyle to moving forward to always talk about receivers by saying we. I told Danny Gray, guys like us, you know, if Kyle talked like that, I think that'd be fun. You know, we as receivers, although he loves playing quarterback, so maybe he made a position change. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about, how about, uh, I love hearing about the, I watched actually just for fun today. I went back and I hadn't watched Elijah Mitchell's college tape since last year's draft. And this morning I watched some of Elijah Mitchell's college date because my, what I said to you before was watching Ty Davis price. It just gave me the same immediate two clip reaction to the way I felt watching Elijah Mitchell last year. And it was, as I remembered it, it looks. Wouldn't you say the difference though, too, is like every single game. It's like, Oh, they're playing Ole Miss. Who's 10th in the country. Oh, they're playing Alabama. Oh, they're playing Texas A&M. Right. And he is 15, 20 yards down the field. Do you know what's crazy? The craziest thing about LSU they had the You're second. Bad. They had more players drafted than Alabama this year. They had the second most players drafted in the conference. Like they are. I just thought they sucked. Now I did not that I didn't assume they didn't have NFL players on the team, but they just have random running backs getting drafted in the third round. Because when I when they drafted him, I was like, you know, I didn't watch that much LSU football. You throw on just typed his name into YouTube. He is lowering his shoulder on the sideline like twenty yards down the field with like multiple SEC defenders. This guy, I, I was told by a guy that really liked him, thought he was by far the hardest running back in the draft. Like the guy that just ran the hardest. And you just see like he runs hard. It's not just when it's when the, uh, you know, offensive line parts like the Red Sea and you can just hit the hole. Like that's pretty basic. I Honestly, teams don't give you that much credit on just a wide open hole and you just hitting it with your mm-hmm. speed. But like, what happens when contact happens? And this fucking guy runs his ass off through contact. No wonder Ed got run out. I mean, they you have the second most players drafted in the conference. I mean, it's, I, I think, it's, you know, from the outside, it's, you know, it's like, yeah, it's going a little weird, but he just won the national championship to them. It's like, we should be like minimum 10 wins every year. And then you realize, yeah, they probably should. Well, did you see they just had to pay a bunch of money to keep their, um, uh, Keishon, is it Butte? Remember him? He a running back? The receiver. Oh, number yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. Really good yeah. player. Sweet they, player. They just had to, uh, was he, was he playing to do the Jordan Addison thing? Yeah. Well, I don't know. He was, he was going to leave and somebody stepped up to pay him. 
before he departed. So well, I think that's part of why you get – like Texas is the worst of both worlds right now. They're not winning, and they're not producing talent. LSU was – everyone was mad because they're like, look at all this talent we have. How is this possible? I know. It's crazy. If I'm Texas, it's like we're cutting all these checks, and we're losing to Kansas. <laughs> we're losing to Kansas. What is going on? That To me, it's the triple worst. Well, losing to Kansas. No talent. Uh, the Applebee's, Kansas, guy Applebee's guy made them. Applebee's guy is good, though. That kid can play. <laughs> Game winner? Yeah. That was a cool moment. Big guy. Cool. Texas lost to Kansas. Kansas, John, fought last year. I t- Kansas is coming around. I'm telling you what. And then they didn't have a player drafted. Is that? Do you think it's the worst? It's got to be one of the worst, like, 18-month stretches in the program's history. Lose to Kansas, not a player drafted. The the way they lost Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, 5-7. and seven. They did go 5-7 back-to-back years in 15-16. and 16. They had a coach's monkey Fire Charlie Strong. who bit a kid. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... You're blaming bad. the kid? That's bad. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to go back there and put his hand in the cage. Pole assassin. Yeah, no, I mean, there, say there, that, was, but... there was there was a sign that said, "Don't touch the monkey." What if the kids five, can't, can't read? read? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Five and seven. Do you think five and seven? Do you think Sark's on the hot seat? Like if he went, hell six yeah, six, he is. Would he get fired? I don't know if he get fired, but you, to answer your question, hell yeah, he's on the hot seat. Are you kidding me? At Texas? Well, he, well, if he's on the if he's on the hot seat, then what would his minimum wins have to be? Have to go above five hundred. Eight. Right? Seven. I mean, does he get fired if he wins seven? That's like, if, he goes, if he goes six good? and six, is he getting fired? Six and six would be ugly. He might. Now they also got that kid Quinn Ewers. I don't know if he's playing this year, but yeah, they do. They went to Ohio State. That's like fifteen, but he got a uh-huh. million bucks. Then he's already uh-huh. transferred. They, what? Why are they getting so many? They get some. Well, weird remember guys. he had to. He had to leave. Texas doesn't let you make money in high school. There's like uh, a rule. So he left. He's like, well, fuck. I can go make a million bucks smart like i'll come back to texas later to where i was wanting to play so what if sark lands jordan addison he hasn't how would you if you're jordan well, he, addison but he hasn't committed there yet has he to no but he was playing catch with bryce young the other day at alabama in la do you think Al, why wouldn't alabama get him why wouldn't alabama get him what if nick just gets him like oh yeah good he's, one lincoln well he's friend with he's friends with caleb too that's the other one how about Paul Assassin, name of the pod? Uh, do you guys find it interesting that Mike Shanahan met with Ty Davis Price? So here's the que- here's part of that question, right? For people that missed that, that came up. I Saturday. did, guy didn't. What's that? I thought it was a little weird when I saw the quote. Well, the more I th- so what happened was Saturday night, somebody I, I don't remember who asked the question, like Ty Davis Price told the media he had met with Mike Shanahan on his visit. Yeah. So then it comes up to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and Shanahan's like Wait, what? I, shit, Kyle's initial reaction was, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And then uh, John kind of jumps in. I was like, oh, yeah, that was – Mike just happened to be here that day when we brought guys through on visits. Yeah. But it's but then he made a joke about Mike's in his office for 13 hours a day. Ha, ha, ha. You usually got to go to him. So you do you think it meant something that Mike Shanahan met with Ty Davis Price? Well – I don't think it's inconceivable. Like Mike Shannon, clearly in the office. So we could go, is it a big deal that he's at the office? Could it be draft time. He's there maybe helping Kyle do some scheme stuff. He might be helping Kyle draw up some plays for the season with Trey. He's at the office. The way a visit works, right? Someone picks him up at the airport, brings him around. He has an itinerary. 
from 8 a.m. or whenever he shows up, you know, if he flies in at night, someone picks him up at the hotel or whatever the next day, brings him in the morning, maybe gets breakfast at the facility, meets immediately with the running back coach. Maybe the offensive coordinator down there too, you know, for Kyle, it might not be Kyle, but send some other offensive assistants. Then he's either going to spend a lot of time with John or Kyle, same minute. But this whole time, a guy like me or a scout is kind of taking him around, right? You kind of wait for him and then because t- he doesn't know where he's going. And you're kind of taking him away. So if Kyle, let's say Kyle spent an hour with him, like just personal conversation, maybe watch a little film, whatever he's going to do. He leaves Kyle's office. Kyle goes on to do other shit, doesn't know where he goes. Now, to me, the only red flag is like, what really is Mike doing there? Because I could see it be simply like maybe Mike going down to get a soda and they run into each other at the cafeteria. Or is it as simple as like they're walking by, the door's open, and he's like, hey, coach, you know, the the younger guy trying to just be in with the Shanahan family, you want to meet Ty? And he's like, I'll bring him in. I met a million players. So it, it can be... It could be nothing, or it could be something, not necessarily that he met him, because it's pretty easy to like run into someone, but like, what's he doing there? <laughs> well, yeah, I think what I don't would think make it's it... weird him meeting him at all. I bet this guy no. met so many people on a visit, he would never even be able to point out a lineup. The, the thing that would be weird is if on the itinerary, there's 20 minutes where he sits down with Mike Shanahan. And I think it's pretty clear that's not the case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that's just what, that's what would be weird. I don't think it's weird that Mike Shanahan hangs around. His kid runs an NFL team. He is football junkie Mike Shanahan, who, remember, Kyle has said this. He has an office, though. Mike didn't just, like, leave the Washington football team because he was ready to – I'm ready to hang it up. Like, Kyle has said, like, I don't like that my dad's career ended that way, coaching – like, that that's how it went down. Well, he literally tried to get back in with the Niners when they interviewed him. That's right. That's right. But previously. So it's not like Mike just the bug left him. No. Do you think it's a little weird he has an office? No. I don't, big, really I, I don't think it's that weird. I don't either. I mean, it, like, I don't think it's weird. <laughs> I don't either. But, if you, but I do think your it's theory has always I, been you think Kyle's insecure about it. I think Kyle knows that when it becomes when people are aware that Mike is around, that people in Kyle's mind jump to bigger conclusions than what the reality is. And so I don't think Kyle loves everyone knowing how involved Mike is. Because Mike, while is involved, it's Mike is not pulling the strings from behind the scenes. And I think my impression of just the way Kyle talks about it is Kyle just doesn't just doesn't love it being public because then people suggest that Mike is doing. What was the story? Was it was it the quarterback thing last year? Was that what it was? The draft? Yes, that Mike yeah. Shanahan wanted Mac well, Jones. Yeah, so I, I think that's that Mike Shanahan was the one telling all the media, right? Well, that was so. I think Kyle just doesn't love it because it creates just a headache for him that uh, he doesn't. He there's no way for him to prove that Mike Shanahan isn't the one calling the shots. And the other part of it that I think makes it hard for Kyle is, of course, he listens to his dad. Of course, he hears his dad's opinions. He can't sit up there and be like, "I ignore everything my dad says." He's a crazy guy because it's not true. Mike has great wisdom, but if he says that, then it's like, so is Mike telling you what to do? So it's really, I think it's a lose lose for Kyle to talk about it publicly, even though he loves having his dad around and his dad. And don't forget, it's also unique. Mike coached John Lynch. So Mike is no interloper. Like Mike's not in the way. Yeah, John there's Lynch not like some insecurity with his GM. Yeah, I, I would imagine there are times when John wants him around more than Kyle. Who knows? And that could yeah, be untrue, maybe, but it wouldn't shock. John Lynch loves Mike Shanahan, right? <laughs> loves Mike Shanahan. And clearly... Love Kyle would be strong, but clearly their relationship's really pretty strong. 
it's just different because you're you play for a guy, you kind of get sentimental as time goes on. When you work with a guy, there's just an ebb and flow of life. But I, I understand where Kyle, even though it's like I think he's lucky in the market we live in. Like no one really cares. If he was in New York, Philly, or Boston or one of those, it would anytime it would come up, I could see him like trying to avoid it at all costs. It'd be a thing. If I told you Mike Shanahan was Mike Middlecoff and two-time Super Bowl winning coach, still wanted to be around but couldn't get a head coaching job, and he was there as a consultant in the organization, no one would say anything. Well, think about this. I'm a fucking podcaster. I owe my parents absolutely everything I have in my life. Can you imagine being a head coach in the NFL when your dad literally was also head coach? And you go, I I would not have – you would think this. I would never – of gain this knowledge or be sitting where I'm sitting if it wasn't for my dad, because I love him. And then from a professional standpoint, he is my idol and my mentor. I think he, Kyle's even said that before. Yeah, like, of he course idolizes he his idol. Dad. He has called him. Yes. N- not, not, not from a, like the way we think about our parents, the way he thinks about as a parent, being a good parent, being hard, you know, raising him the, the morals and stuff as a football coach, <laughs> you know, that's his professional and personal idol. So, yeah, but he's also like, do you think he's a little, he's pretty lucky. He's with one of the biggest brands in the NFL, but it's not that crazy, right? We're, Washington yeah. was pretty nuts. Like, that was a crazy time, and I think it kind of scarred the family. I think it does piss them off, and, it, you know, I think at their core, they actually have some parallels to the middle cop family. Little, they can be negative. You know, I was, what do you think, Mike? You know, he's a little, kind of a little short, edgy guy. Kyle, you know, isn't Mr. Mr. Happy. I would so say I like Bumgarner than Mike. So well, I, I mean, like Bumgarner. His the guy default was staring is at it. The guy was oh, staring at his eyes. When yeah, he was I wish a motherfucker would is basically what that ref, what that umpire was doing. Would he get suspended if Bumgarner would have shoved him to the ground? Would Bumgarner? The umpire. Bumgarner. Yeah. So you couldn't touch him? No. You have to let him touch what? When did the when did touching the hands was this the first year? I don't remember. No, no, last year. I think it was last year. Well, if they ask for it now, every when, time no. you got to walk by. When you come off the field starting last year, we we check you every inning. No, no, no. After the first inning. Oh, so that's why every first inning the guy's hands checked. Just everything: his pockets, his glove, his hat, the whole thing. So usually it's. I mean, I've seen some. The guy goes like this. The guy walks by. Yeah, it's. Dude was being a dick. I don't like guys. Here's this would be my memo if I'm the commissioner. Okay, everybody, our plan. Let's keep our best players in the games. Am I? Do you think to yourself, am I about to kick the best player out of this game right now? If I'm about to do that, then I shouldn't do it. Let's start with that, okay? Especially for words. Do you think the rule? Like, do we really need to be checking hands every first inning, or is it like with spider tag? It's probably a pretty big spider tag. Do you think it was probably a pretty big issue in the in the league? I mean, an issue like got everyone was using it. Was that really a problem? I mean, we could debate that. You think basically every pitcher was using spider tech? I think I don't. I mean, I think a lot of guys clearly were using it. So maybe they had to do this. Well, it just became a thing it, that after the Astros cheating, it just became this whole stupid thing that everybody, well, we got to do it now for who, for what? Let's quote Ricky Waters. <laughs> so dumb. What if you just like wanted to get tossed and you just had a big ass glop, but you like, uh, I don't know how you'd avoid it touching your hand, like put like bird shit or something in there for the umpire. You hated the guy. 
you busted it out in your walk, you know, for him to like grab it. And it was something like just to mess with him. I don't know how you do it, but something where it got on his hands, it was gross, but it would avoid your hand. Like maybe you put a glove, like a, like a plastic glove on as oh. you're walking off the mound. Yeah. You need like a fake, like something they would have in a movie, like a, a fake yeah. hand. Like with, the Wizenator. What the, what guys use when they, uh, you know, uh, like when thieves to cover up their fingerprints, you know, you have fake finger, fake fingerprints, maybe. Hey, yeah. Right. Got to quit. Time to eat. Yeah. I think it's almost time to eat. Have what you are we, are we coming over to your house tonight for a single day mile? What are yes, you, what are you, when you, what are you, uh, when are you going to be here? I don't know. Hawkins told me, text me when he was picking me up. I got some oops and scoops. I got some Corona's. What's your oops and what are well, I just mean the scoops that I got some bag of chips. I was just at the CVS. Oh, and I the bag of chips. I'm going to be so stuffed tonight. Alyssa actually had an idea for a restaurant where you serve everything in reverse. And I said, that'd be a great idea because then I would never fill up on chips because those would be the last thing that comes. So you start with like the steak. No, you start with a dessert. I think it's a fucking genius idea. Actually, I wish I'm going to edit this out. It's too genius. I don't want this out there publicly. My, my, here's my pushback on the idea as someone like if I have a dessert in my hand and I, I'd also want the dessert and I have like meal, like if I'm driving somewhere, like let's say I get some cookies and I have like a cheeseburger and fries. I've bit the cookie before, but I like the taste of you need that the before. Yeah. yeah. I also think a meal is a, is a social thing. So part of the meal is waiting for the steak to arrive. Good point. Right. At a restaurant, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Part of it is like, oh, man, what'd you order? Oh, I can't wait to see it. You know, but you still I do think she app- might be on to something, a little, the rotation, just something. Just change the rotation. Yeah. Uh, tonight, it's uh, it's tacos. We've got uh, the, whole, the whole house smells, John. We've got like um, like some some uh, some taco, like some beef that's been in the crock pot all day. Okay. So it's going to be shredded. I thought when you said the whole house smells, like when I when I was younger, we, I think, had a possum die. Or something would die, and it, you know, something would die, like in yeah. you know, back in the attic, or something, and you would just smell the house, and you have to remove it. Yeah, that's where you were going to go with. Like, yeah, I think we found some dead rats. <laughs> All right, later, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Peace. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.